It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And that is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates and E-L-M-N-T-F-M. And then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as I say, right across the country of Canada. And that could come in handy a little bit for uh, the guest we have with us uh, on the show, Troy Kokel. He is a musician. We've had him on the show before, and it is a pleasure to welcome Troy back. Hi there. How's everyone doing in Toronto? (laughs) And Ottawa. And Ottawa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, we're doing good, and it's great to have you back on, Troy. And I have to tell you that uh, when you sent me uh, the email and, of course, the song attached that you're dropping like a record uh, and, and had a chance not only to listen to it but to, to see the video that goes along with it, it was such a pleasure. It was so much fun to watch. And and, and what a great idea, you know, it, because it had that real... Uh, it had that throwback feel. It has that, that reminiscent of taking you back in time as well. And, and then it also has that appeal because uh, you're using a, uh, a format that we used to listen to music on, the cassette, as your main character. <laughs> and it's, it was such a pleasure to watch it and so, so much fun. Thank you so much. You know, and the, the thing was, too, is that uh, with that, with that uh, using the cassette, was because I used a, a animation style called rotoscoping, mm-hmm. which is basically drawing over top of the um, of, of real life, and that was kind of made popular back in the '80s. And so, mm-hmm. you know, because the song's like a record, we've got mm-hmm. sort of this story with the cassette tape and the rotoscope uh, throwback animation style. You know, I I felt that it would uh, you know sort of all feel like a like a piece. You know, so thank you for that. You bet. And, you know, um, the other thing is that it, it obviously, this is the second time you've done this, right, with Rotoscope. You, you obviously really enjoy this. Well, so the fir- actually last year I did a stop motion. Oh, stop motion. Uh, so, yeah, right. I did stop motion last year and traditional yeah. animation, but I did, it was stop motion. I made like puppets. Um, yep. I, yeah. And, and, and I, well, it was like clay puppets. Yep. Uh, and man, what a, what a process that was learning how to do that. And then so I decided instead of, you know, um, you know, le- going from my mistakes and, and growing, I would just try something completely different and stress <laughs> myself out for a year. It took me 48 weeks to do it. So, you know, at least wow. I, at least, yeah. So at least that, I, I'm a good, I'm good at time management. Maybe not. Well, that's, that's, that's close to a year of work there. But, you know, <laughs> uh, hey, the thing is that I, I'm just thinking that you're expanding your, your skill set here as well, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's, you know, for me, do, be doing the, the videos with the songs, you know, it's a total joy thing. Um, You know, because I write songwrite and I produce during the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is sort of like what I do on the evenings and weekends. And and it's my uh, I actually went to animation school Mm. to to, to complete this so I could learn some stuff, you know, so it was was just a fun thing. Now, you say you're you're a producer. How long have those skills been working for you and what kind of stuff do you do in the production end of things? Well, on production side, it's it's relatively new because I've been songwriting now for you know a little over a decade, and and mm. I got into the producing almost because I'm doing demos, and I sort of had to because I just didn't want to spend five hundred dollars every time I wanted to pitch a song to somebody, mm. and mm. that sort of turned into you know p- doing demos and then doing you know sort of cutting records and 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 so the last 
four years has been, especially the last two years, uh, you know, I've been working really closely with a fellow named Jerry Serretta. We've been, mm. re- you know, releasing songs uh, uh, with Jerry and uh, I'm working with a new Australian artist. She's uh, uh, releasing in Canada. Her name's Haley Jensen. Mm. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of gone. It's It's gone from me just doing it, you know, because I had to, to now it's sort of, it's kind of what I'm doing a lot of and, and uh, I'm loving it. So let's get back to like a record. It's going to be dropping on July 27th uh, for streaming platforms. That's right. Yeah. Everywhere on the 27th of July. Hey, uh, so, so what kind of feedback have you been getting from, uh, from the song and the, and the video so far? You know, so far it's been really good. I, I think because it's a little different for me, uh, you know, because I, I write and produce in the country music genre mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is still feels a little country, but it's a little more pop than anything yeah, I've done is. before. And and so, uh, but, uh, you know, for me, this is more, this song is more me than, than anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, because it, because of that and because of the video, I think, you know, I think people really have, have enjoyed it. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of people have, have messaged me back saying they they feel guilty about getting rid of their cassettes after they watch <laughs> my video. <laughs> you know, so you personalize it for spo- me. Spoiler <laughs> alert for, for the people that are, you know, haven't watched the video yet, but the video is about, uh, an, uh, owner abandoning yes. its uh, its cassette when he gets a new CD, and then the CD yeah. gets you know really bummed out and decides to like <laughs> I got to find a new home, and and walks all over you know God's green earth and finds a home and 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 that and where Recordland in Calgary mm. was kind mm. enough to allow me to use their <laughs> their store as a sort of a home resting place. For That's the, great. Yeah, and then and at the end, the the owner comes back and reunites with the cassette. So it's a happy ending, at least. Yeah, yeah, it comes full circle. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> neat the way that works. Um, and but it's a great video to watch, and it is lots of fun. Like I said, and and you you said that this was something that was the most you, and I think that comes through in the video. I, I really, you know, I really get a sense of that as soon as you said that. I went, yeah, I really think that. Troy really showed a big part of him in this in the video if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, totally. And I think that this is the thing that I really love about the video, you know, because as you know David, like for me the being an artist is kind of new. Um so but what I've found is that being able to do a video and to inject my own creativity into the video, it actually gives it sort of I think unveils more of my emotion. Mm. It, you know in the song uh you mm-hmm. can listen to the song and get and get a feel for it but i think when you watch the video um you know you just get a i think it's a closer glimpse into who i am and you know i'm a i'm a comic book nerd and <laughs> and i'm a very much uh you know uh, uh, a touchy-feely kind of huggy kind of guy so <laughs> i think you know that comes comes across and so i that's why i enjoy doing it too because i think it shares more of who i am so yeah, but well, let's not take anything away from the song itself. It's got a great hook. The the chorus is is great, and I really hope you do well with this because because uh, I think it's a great great little song you got going on. Um, I'm uh, thanks so much, David. Yeah, you know, and and for me, I I always put zero expectations on everything that I do, and it's not because mm. it's like I don't I'm not going to accomplish anything. But I feel right. like if you don't create with joy and you don't uh, put your heart into it and just 
you know, let let it be what it is and, and not uh, be too worried about, you know, where it lands up and just try your best. And because at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you're I'm still learning and, and, and it's uh, it's just a big learning process, the whole creative uh, world. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always grateful when everyone when anyone uh, enjoys it. So you, you know. just said, let it be. It sounds that sounds like a song. Yeah, t- <laughs> totally. <laughs> we, we should hey, write that, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My guest, it's a pleasure to have back on the show, Troy Kokel. And he is uh, uh, a musician. He's got a new song. It's called Like a Wrecker. You can check it out. You want Spotify, uh, SoundCloud? You bet. I'm everywhere. I'm like a fungus. All right. <laughs> now I have to ask you about the song, Like a Record. Uh, you've got the video. You've got the the idea of the, the video with this, uh, the cassette as the main character. What what how did this song come to you was it because you picked up an old cassette and got a feeling and and something came to you that way was you were you thinking about technology and how things have changed that way what came to you how did the song develop for you well first of all you know i i had sort of a, a that idea kicking around for a little while and i find that what ends up happening is that i'll get a you know sort of a chorus idea or a you know um a bit of a song idea and it'll just sort of hang in the back of my head for a few weeks and and i i was involved with something called the acoustic guitar project mm. which is a worldwide 50 cities worldwide and they give you uh seven days to write write and record a song so i already mm. had this kind of half-baked idea and i finished mm-hmm. it uh, mm-hmm. and the song itself is really about that idea of um you know having having somebody in in your life that isn't in your life anymore, like a friend or, a, mm-hmm. you know, a work colleague or a, you know, a girlfriend or what have you. And, but they're not in your life anymore. And you I find when people leave my life for whatever reason, I'm always kind of going back and thinking, man, I should have said this, or I should have done that. Or, mm. um, you know, and, and so you try to have that closure, but you just can't, you there's you you can't let go of it but it's so it just you ha- end up repeating memories and repeating sort of conversations <laughs> and so that's really what the song is about but i didn't i had it as an idea for a little while and then the acoustic guitar project actually forced me to kind of finish it which was really mm. cool so yeah mm. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, great little story there uh, on that. And you know, I have to say that that the other thing you you uh, you did the actual uh, video starts even prior to the cassette, right? Because you got yeah. the you got the turntable in the background there. That's right. I think isn't yeah, that yeah. first, and then the cassette, and then moves on to the CD. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, for me this. Uh, you know, when I look at when I look at the song itself, I think you know. I it's I always write pretty heavy songs. I think you know at their core they're they're pretty mm. sort of like ugh, you know. So when I'm making these videos, I think I I like to bring a little levity to it because you know there's always this balance in my own self. It's like yeah, it's a bummer that you know. But so I think that you know having this this uh, cassette and uh, you know have this sort of you know broken relationship with its owner. You know it's kind of a cute way to to uh, bring some some lightness to the to the subject matter this song actually Mm. like a record i I recorded played all the instruments mixed it mastered it i did all of the animation you know i even Mm. made like diy 
CDs today <laughs> that I'm giving away. So it's like what I've done with this producing thing is that I've just expanded another revenue stream. Uh, my whole philosophy with music and life in general is that, you know, fill your life with joy and, and work on that thing that you love to do and just see what happens, you know, and mm. then when something pops up, you know, I always try to walk through the doors that are open. And mm. if for <laughs> me, you know, when I'm producing something, um, you know, I, if I, if I brag about the artist and give them some love, you know, I'll get some work back. And, and I find mm. that when my phone rings, those are the opportunities I'm ready for. And, and so this whole idea of not having any expectations with my artist career is the same mm. deal. So, you know, I put this work out and, you know, I, I could look at it forever and try to judge it or try to, you know, compare myself to other people, but I am right. where I'm at. So I've found though, that there have opportunities have come. And so I just try to be patient with it. And, and the cool thing about it is that between the producing and this artist uh, career that I've, that I've been building, it's like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of little opportunities that come up that, you know, are keeping my lights on and, and are allowing me to, you know, help other people create music and help me to create more music. So it's, it's just wonderful. Um, but I think the, the trick in all of it is to, is to, uh, yeah, not to, you know, sort of drive yourself crazy, uh, you know, having worrying about what's going to happen with it, because my goodness, it's especially in a time like this, you know, mm -hmm. we just have to be creative and, and uh, do everything we can. And it's tough, you know, it's really tough uh, for artists out there right now. My heart goes out to all of them. So this is the world we're in. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, though, things seem to be uh, opening up a little bit more now. Are you getting any sense that uh, that there's going to be the opportunity for, for artists and, and, and for yourself included to be able to get back to playing some gigs live? I, okay, this is just my gut. I feel mm. like we're going to be here for a, a while. That's mm. just what I feel. But mm -hmm. I do feel, though, that we're finding a new normal. So I've seen, mm. you know, one of the gigs I saw was the uh, a promoter set up a stage. So there's a hotel and there's all these balconies. And he set a stage on the <laughs> balcony side of the hotel. And if you, you, you got a hotel room and that was your ticket. And you watch the show from your balcony and I'm just like, that is genius. This so, uh, for sure yeah. is. And so I, I feel like we're going to see a lot more of uh, creative ways that we can still allow people to enjoy music in a, you know, in a safe way so that they're not, uh, you know, in a big crowd. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I just believe that people need that enough that we'll figure it out. Right. Well, well, Troy, you know, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you and touching base with you once again, and congratulations on the new song. Thank you so much, David. It's my pleasure and and really appreciate you guys, uh, and I hope you stay safe out there in Ottawa and Toronto. Troy Kokel is a Canadian singer, songwriter, producer, video director, and an award-winning songwriter with over 200 cuts to his name in a variety of music genres, TV and film. Troy is a recent uh, recipient of the SOCAN Award for Country Music and a two-time CCMA Songwriter of the Year nominee. He's a songwriter. As a songwriter, he has cut uh, with artists in both Canada and the United States as well. And it's always a pleasure to have him on the show. His uh, latest single is called Like a Record. And as he said, it's going to be uh, streaming on July 27th uh, for streaming platforms. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. 
Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Scott Lear. He is a professor of health sciences at Simon Fraser University. He's in the Faculty of Health, as I mentioned, and the Department of Biomedical Physiology and Kinesiology at Simon Fraser University as he joins us from British Columbia today, and it's a pleasure to have him with us. You know, you know, uh, I spent some time out on the West Coast. I love it out there. Uh, and, you know, I remember Simon Fraser, I don't know if it still is, it used to be a great place for, for uh, film companies. They loved using Simon Fraser uh, campus for filming on. Yeah, they still do because of the uh, unique architecture. Even, exactly. even now, yeah. it, it could look like some kind of thing you'd see in a 60s science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I remember hearing about, is the, is the architecture was the thing that, that used to draw them there. Uh, so I do occasionally, I think, see, see the, the campus in there once in a while. So it's a pleasure to have you with us, and we're here talking about um, exercise. And now, COVID-19 has shut us down in so many ways, and you know, I have to tell you, it's an interesting topic, simply because I thought I like exercising. I really love exercising. I really like the fact that when we were, when I was commuting to work, uh, what I would get every day is a 20 minute walk pretty much in both directions as I was heading for the train, uh, heading uh, from the train to work and also getting off of, uh, the train at the opposite end as I head back to, to my home. I would get that walk in and a brisk walk. So it wasn't a leisurely walk. It was something I, I, you know, as I say, I was doing and I went, yeah, this is great because I, I love that. I thought I would actually be able to get more exercise uh, now that we're working from the home. I found just the opposite. I'm not being able to get as much exercise in it. It's really surprising to me. Um, and I don't know if you've heard that or if you're finding that with people. Oh, mo most definitely. Some people are, are doing okay and keeping up with their exercise, but their overall activity throughout the day is lower mm. because a yeah. lot of us are sitting down. Mm -hmm. And I, like you, would commute to and from work. It's a great way to get exercise, and also it's efficient because you have to find mm -hmm. some way to get, to get to work or before the pandemic you did. And now that that's gone you we have to those people who are doing that type of active transport have to make that conscious decision to actually go out just for a walk not necessarily mm -hmm. on walking to work which you kind of right. not thinking as activity exactly but now you have to go okay i would usually do a 20 minute walk during this time i'm going to go walk around the block which for some can be fun but for others it's not as rewarding or as enjoyable exercise can still uh, I, I love exercising uh, mm -hmm. as well. I go um, cycling. The one for me that's been hard is swimming because the pools have, have been closed. Yeah. So, yeah. So having to find different ways and it's changing our habits, which can be a challenge. It sure is. And of course, um, you, you uh, are dealing with this. You've written some articles on the idea of, of how exercise is important to, to, to us in these times, and of course, we we should all know that. Uh, however, you you've touched on this in terms of different ways. One, in terms of uh, relationships uh, and how exercise can can uh, uh, help you in terms of I don't know, in terms of maybe finding a mate or if you're looking uh, for a mate, uh, but exercising with with your partner, uh, 
uh, and exercising your way to a better relationship is one of the things you, you're talking about. Uh, one of the other things you, you're talking about is how exercise can boost your, your brain function. And of course, uh, the other thing is for, for people that are more elderly uh, and looking at uh, as people downsize in this, this age and as people age, they look to downsize. Uh, maybe that is for financial reasons, but uh, when you lose that opportunity, once again, uh, where you're either going into an apartment or you're going into a home where you don't, you no longer have to do some of those physical things that you were doing, whether it's cutting the grass, taking out the garbage, doing those usual things that are starting to be taken care of, you become more sedentary even more. Uh, you're saying, of course, and it makes sense to me, uh, as well, that exercise is important in all these areas and to keep going and to keep motivated to, to try and find ways to exercise. Yes, most, most definitely. Exercise is uh, a great way to keep both physically well-being and mental well-being. And in addition to, to those things, particularly in this period of time where we're limited in, in where we can go, and I know um, places are at different stages of lockdown or reopening. And some people, a lot of people, and I would put myself in this situation at times, are experiencing heightened anxiety, whether it's not being able to do those social or physical outlets that would normally relieve anxiety and stress. Maybe it's the family getting on each other's nerves as they're in mm. a, a two-bedroom condo or one-bedroom uh, apartment. And so there's the need to, to get out. And exercise is really good at reducing that anxiety, reducing that stress. It um, releases what we would call feel-good hormones. And this is also why how it can help with relationships uh, as, as well. And essentially, it's it burns off a lot of those negative feelings. And there's plenty of times when, whether it's a stress or an anxious um, situation I've been in and I go out and exercise and I, afterwards I'm thinking, geez, what was I worried about a couple hours <laughs> ago? It doesn't seem such a mm. big issue now. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting in, in terms of how it has those, those effects on, on our outlook and, uh, and, and on things that we're doing. Y you know, I found one of the, one of the comments in, in one of your articles I found particularly interesting was that for people who uh, exercise, there's almost an immediate uh, response in terms of the 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 outcome of of a greater uh, positive event happening. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. It's almost as if that transcends not the physical and mental to something exterior to ourselves in terms of just what we're. Our aura is presenting, maybe almost. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to that. Um, one of the things, um, and that's referring to this research study that found people who exercise reported within the next 24 hours were more likely to report having a positive event happen to them. Mm. A large part of that is most likely due to what you touched on is the the mental perception of, of things. Um, when we are exercising, we're just naturally in a better mood, we're less negative. So we'll see the same thing as more positive or, or less negative. The other thing to that, when it comes to relation, relationships, and this is why I had written that piece about exercise and relationships, is we're usually, when, when we've exercised, 
for a lot of us, that's probably our most confident and um, open person that that we can we can be during during the, the course of time. Like, there's something about physical movement that gives us confidence in ourselves and in our abilities. And when we're like that, people actually see that as uh, a more uh, attractive or more positive personality. And that can also help these positive events happening to us as well. You know, I'm, I am uh, someone that, as I mentioned, I, I like the exercise. I enjoy exercise, especially uh, I used to jog a lot more uh, and further when I was younger. Uh, used to, I, you know, I used to try to go for the five or ten k. I remember as I got closer to that ten k. You refer to this in there as as the, that runner's high. I remember, um, uh, you know, I didn't have the time to to dedicate to do that more. Uh, and that's the other thing is finding the time to to be able to do this. But I remember experiencing that runner's high. Uh, a couple of times, and I thought, "Wow, what a what a fabulous feeling and sensation it is to to share that and have that feeling." Um, but in general, I just I just love exercising. I, I actually enjoy sweating. I find my when I'm sweating, I, I feel like I'm really uh, um, uh, uh, achieving something. I feel like I am actually uh, you know doing something that is beneficial. Uh, so the longer I can do those kind of things, the better I used to, to feel about that. Um, I have a question though, because you know, some people, oh, they don't like running. They don't like exercise. They don't like sweating. And you're talking, but you're talking about the benefits and what, what is a release, the endocrine, the, 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 the feel good, uh, you know, side of this things. Why is it that people don't necessarily, if they, if they are exercising or they, they, do it they still don't understand or or feel that benefit excellent yes excellent question and i'll uh i'm not too sure about many people who actually exercise and you know may not feel good after i don't mm. know many people who have said or anyone actually who who said oh i wish i didn't exercise today <laughs> Okay, I guess. Uh, sorry, I guess I should clarify. I guess I hear people saying, um, uh, you know, oh, I don't like the exercise, uh, you know, I don't like this, or uh, you know, and I'm going like, wow, why would you not like to yeah. the benefits of that? I guess exactly. that's what I'm saying. And, and so there's a couple things, a couple things there, and it, it's not a case of some of it when you peel back, and I'm putting on my behavioral change mm. hat here. It's okay. not necessarily the exercise itself. It's the logistics around it. Mm. I Somebody may enjoy being at the gym, but may not like having to get to the gym or right. all the things that go, go around right. there. And I've been there there before. Like I, I like swimming. And now that the community center swimming pools have been closed down, they're still closed in the Vancouver area. Mm. I've gone to the, um, to the beach and swam. Right. I have a wetsuit because it is really cold, yeah, but sure. there's still plenty of times I'm like, oh, you know, this is so much work. I have to go further. Mm. I have to um, 
uh, takes me like 10 minutes just to get that wetsuit on right and another 10 minutes up and and for other people it's it's all that that planning and right. that's why when you started off about talking about commuting that's the type of activity i think that most people will do the kind of i might call it stealth activity where you're doing two things at, at the same time mm -hmm. and and then there's sometimes when when people ask me what's the best exercise to do and people are probably thinking like, oh, is it like cross-country skiing because you're using your arms and legs? Is it running mm. or something like that? But really the best exercise for an individual to do is the one that they like. Mm. Because I could tell you swimming or skiing or running is fantastic, but if it's not something you enjoy, you're not going to do it. So it's not really right. going to do you any good. So it's right. finding that, that one, uh, those couple of things, whether you like the social aspects um, to get you out of there, or even things like you know, cutting cutting the grass is just as much effort as running on a treadmill at an easy pace. Mm. So it's activity that's also important. And sometimes we think of exercise as, oh, I need a gym membership. I'm going to be there with a bunch of guys with tank tops and flexing in the mirror. <laughs> and that may not be, that's not all the exercise is and that's definitely mm. not appealing to a lot of people my guest here on moment of truth is scott lear he's a professor of health sciences at simon fraser university and we're talking about exercise especially how it is important to uh, maintain exercise in this time that we are in covid19 trying to find a way to continue uh ways of keeping yourself active because it has so many benefits as we all know we're all told we know about the benefits of, of being active and getting uh, uh scott rep recommends uh, about 20 minutes a day uh around 150 minutes uh a week i believe that is scott yes yes and that's of what we might call like moderate to uh, vigorous activity so you're mentioned about like a brisk walk that fits into it um and then anything that gets your heart rate and breathing going and it can also it doesn't all have to be at once in that day as well mm. it could be 10 minutes earlier could mm. be five minutes later later in the day and once you start to get there then there's still more benefits you increase your benefits by doing more than the 20 to 30 minutes but that's the minimum mm -hmm. recommendation yeah no and and i i found out also uh because as i as i mentioned uh, i was very excited when i got the position uh with the the station because i was going to be not, it wasn't commuting so much that I was excited about, but the exercise I was going to be getting to to walk and do that on a daily basis. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great because I'll be I'll be walking, I'll be walking briskly. I know I'm going to burn uh, uh burn some some uh, calories, and I'm going to maybe uh, be able to lose a little bit of of excess uh, um, you know uh, uh, fat that I that I've been uh, putting on a little bit. And I thought this is great. But after about a year. Uh, going back to the doctor, uh, I, I said, I don't get it. You know, I've been doing this for a year. I haven't lost an ounce. I don't get it. He goes, how long are you uh, walking for? And I said, about, you know, between 15, 20 minutes. And he goes, yeah, you got to walk. You got to do more than that. So there's a difference between why I'm pointing this out is what I found. There, it, he said, this is great for your, you physically and cardio, you know, for your cardio, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But for, it's different than burning and losing weight to exercise for, correct? Yes, that, that's correct. And a, a lot of people will do the same thing, look to being active or exercising to lose weight and working with patients in our cardiac rehab clinic. 
people will say, oh, if I just get back to exercise, I'll lose weight. And yes, activity does burn calories, but not nearly as much as people think. So mm-hmm. in that 20 minute brisk walk, you might be burning somewhere between 80 to 100 calories. And that's about the same as like a banana. Uh, it's a lot less than a can of pop. Mm. You are doing a lot of benefits, as, you, as the doctor mentioned, that have nothing to do with weight loss. Uh, we talked yeah. about feeling good. Long-term benefits are reduction of dementia, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, a whole host of mm-hmm. chronic con- conditions as, as well. But in the course of a day, most of our calories that we burn are just to keep us alive. So if any one of us were to, for most people, if we lied down all day and did nothing, we'd still probably burn somewhere between 1,200 to 1,700 calories. Really? Wow. That's to keep our, our system going, like our breathing, mm. our heart rate, all the mm. organs going in, in the background. Our activity only maybe adds a few hundred calories on, on top of that. So it's really, when we're looking at, at weight loss, physical activity is important in a weight loss program, but it's not going to be the prime way in which we lose weight. That tends to be with looking at nutrition, diet, and mm-hmm. potentially calorie rest- restriction, or just yes. taking in less. Yes. And I want to touch base about what you said about the the commuting because I think it's a perfect e- example when you're excited about the job is is go- going back to those people who say that they're maybe don't have time or they're not as interested is needing to live in a space in a community in which it is easy to do. So for example, you live close enough to walk to work. I mm. live close enough that I can ride my bike to work. It's about mm. four or five kilometers. The mm. same thing like living near a gym or community center or in a community that you feel safe going out walking at various times of the day. So those types of things are what we call enablers. Just like in communities or developments where there are no sidewalks, people tend to walk less than in neighborhoods where there are sidewalks. So there's certain things within the community that can make it easier or harder to get that physical activity. Mm. Uh, Interesting. You know, you mentioned uh, sidewalks, no sidewalks. Uh, I I find that interesting. I I myself, I've always remember hearing that, uh, and I see people uh, jogging on sidewalks or roadways. And uh, I always understood that that was extremely hard on your knees. Uh, so I always try to find paths or ways that I can run on grass or something that is less uh, uh, impactful on my, on my legs and my knees. Does that make sense? Yes, that, that makes total sense. Now, there are plenty of people who running on the hard concrete provides no problem for them whatsoever. I'm not one of those. I running on the road, the asphalt is actually more forgiving than concrete. Mm-hmm. And then running on trails is, is even more forgiving. But there, as I said, for some people, it, it does make a difference. Um, for me, it certainly does. But for, for others, you know, running on the sidewalk tends not to be a problem for them. Yeah. 
uh, I guess it's the long term, uh, the effects over long term, I guess, that like anything else where, uh, you know, it can show up. I, I did want to ask you uh, uh, something about uh, you yourself have a personal experience with uh, being diagnosed in 2017 with, with heart disease. Um, how did that impact what you're doing and, and the research that you're looking at? Well, the interesting thing is if they, you know, you hear them saying that doctors are the worst patients and... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a bad patient, but I, what I had this, uh, well, I, I still do, it's just being controlled right now, have this, what I might call an exercise-induced arrhythmia, where at certain extremely high levels of heart rate, my heart rate just kind of jumps off and will hit like mm. 200 to 250 beats per minute, which is mm. really excessively high. Mm. And it started happening more often. And then I talked to my cardiologist colleague, uh, but honestly, I was hesitant to, to, to do that because I knew as soon as I mentioned to, it to him, it would you know, open up all these things like, yes, we've got to get you tested. It was almost like I was thinking to myself, which is extremely terrible, that if, um, if I don't get diagnosed, it's not a problem, which we know that isn't uh, true with anything. And so that got looked at. Then I had a scan to look at if there was any blockages in my arteries. And, and it's, it's in one of the arteries, there's a 20% blockage, which is small in terms of, of blockages. And at my age, there's probably a lot of people who are otherwise healthy who might have some small atherosclerosis or, or blockage and how what it's really done to to change uh, not so much in terms of the research i do but how i try to communicate it mm. the stuff that we've been talking about as a professor i can write a paper in some medical journal that'll be good enough for whatever for my productivity but the people that I'm trying to reach about getting more active aren't reading medical journals. Mm. And it's things like these types of interviews, uh, writing my blog, which is uh, drscottlier.com, um, social media, just trying to reach people in, in different means. And I've actually felt I've had more impact in those last few years than all these mm. uh, potentially high profile publications I've had just by being able to reach people on a um, more personal level. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, uh, along with that, uh, if people are interested from what they've heard here in our conversation, uh, people can actually go to the conversation where uh, online and they can actually see the uh, three articles that you, we've been, you know, loosely talking about, uh, starting with uh, exercise your way to a better relationship and uh, how exercise can boost your brain function, as well as uh, downsizing to an early death and why exercise is important as you age, uh, all written by yourself, uh, and people can learn, I think, a great deal about the benefits uh, that we have been talking about in terms of exercise and why it's important in all these areas, whether it be uh, for relationships, whether it be for uh, looking at downsizing and the benefits of long-term exercise that can reduce those uh, stresses and anxiety as well as dementia, as people uh, age. Um, and, and there's this misconception, I guess, also, uh, Scott, around um, that you need, to, you need to reduce your exercise as you age. Yes, that definitely is a, is a huge mis misconception. And, and um, 
the notion of downsizing is is common, and there are a lot of good good reasons for this. And I will use um, uh, my my data as as an example. And it's not just downsizing from a house to a, an apartment, where you actually do people going from like a two story townhouse or freestanding house to apartment. They're losing activity during the, during the day mm-hmm. without knowing it. Even uh, retiring, um, my Dad would walk around the assembly plant that he worked in, and he probably maybe was doing without knowing it because it was part of his job going around making sure everything was working fine, maybe five to ten kilometers a day just walking. Hmm. And then I I had said to him, you know, when you retire, you actually have to replace that. And he was kind of like, oh, no, 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 no. And then after about six six months later, he realized that, Hmm. yes, he had to replace that activity and he's he's far more active now than he he was and that goes a lot even if we have office jobs you know walking to the printer the water cooler the photocopier and especially we don't have to have retired right now like i'm sitting in my home office and you know i get out of bed and i just walk like five feet Mm -hmm. at, at my desk yeah and when so when if we think that as we age we do less that actually reduces our fitness and makes us able to do even less so we start curtailing our activity because we're not as strong as we were before but most of the strength and the fitness that are that we lose and we think it's with aging is not because we're getting older it's because we're doing less activity Right. Nicely said. I think uh, we'll have to end it there, but it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Scott. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us and and share uh, your experience, your knowledge, and uh, your expertise in this area. And hopefully, uh, as you say, uh, reach some people and get the message out there that important uh, the importance of exercise in so many ways, uh, both personally as well as socially, as well as uh, long-term in terms of uh, whether it's dealing with anxiety uh, stress uh, and or the benefits of, of pushing back uh, potentially those those things such as dementia. Yes, and thanks a lot, David, for for having me. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, likewise, and uh, you know we can always uh, touch base at a at a future time uh, to see uh, and continue this conversation to uh, maybe help uh, people uh, take up this uh, this idea of exercise again uh, at a later date. All right, thank you most definitely. All right. You take care. Been a pleasure speaking with you. Enjoy the West Coast. (laughs) Well, all right. Take care. That is Scott Lear. He's a professor of health sciences at Simon Fraser University. He's also the Pfizer Heart and Stroke Foundation Chair in Cardiovascular Prevention Research at St. Paul's Hospital. And as we said, Faculty of Science, Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University. It's been a pleasure speaking with him about the benefits of exercise here on the Moment of Truth. So uh, don't forget, get out there, do some exercise. Don't forget, it's very important to keep yourself healthy and happy. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to have with us Edith Wilson. She's a Master's of Sociology student. Welcome to the show and, and thanks for being here. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. Now, you've picked a rather um, interesting topic, I guess, something that is of 
necessary and essential uh, uh, purposes for every person that exists. Uh, but you, you focused on something, I guess, that was uh, partly brought out f- through the pandemic, but partly brought out through uh, public gatherings and uh, uh, such things as protests and those kind of things where large gatherings of people get together. Everybody has run into this situation. It's a, an article that you uh, co-authored um, with Mervyn Horgan, and uh, it's in, in the, uh, the conversation, finding a place to pee during a pandemic or a protest and how it shouldn't be hard to do, and yet we all know that it is difficult to do. Oh, yeah. That, um, that article that we wrote um, was based partially on um, my thesis research, but it was also just in response to, as I'm sure everyone has heard, um, you know, there was a sort of the incident in Trinity Bellwoods where everybody got together and there were multiple mm. tickets issued for, you know, public urination and, mm-hmm. um, and defecation. And, but then there was also the Black Lives Matter protests where people were out on the streets and, you know, obviously like protesting, um, you know, really serious things, you know, racism against black people and, and indigenous people as well in, in Canada. And, you know, we were just struck by the fact that people were getting tickets for, you know, doing their business on the street mm. because no washrooms were open at the time. Yes. Like they started to open up a little bit now. Um, right. But there, at the time that those things were happening, there weren't any of the public washrooms open. And a lot of the places that people were using as a substitute for public washrooms, like mm. fast food places and right. coffee shops were also closed. So there's just right. nowhere for anyone to go, like regardless of the reason why they were out right. on the street. And of course, normally if there's a large event like in a parade uh, that is planned, uh, that's something that the city would take into consideration and put up uh, portable toilets so that there are those things available for people to use as well. Um, whether it's a gathering, uh, you know, an, an event, a concert, those kind of things, those things have, are all planned for. But even then, there's usually uh, big lineups and those kind of things that, that people have to wait for when there's large gatherings. So when you're, when you're pointing this out, uh, you've pointed out, of course, that the pandemic uh, uh, sort of emphasized this to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. But what else did you, did you find from, from doing this and, and why write this? Well, the pandemic has brought out a lot of problems that were pre-existing with public space. Mm. Um, So when I originally did my thesis research a couple of years ago, I was really focusing on the fact that Toronto doesn't have a lot of public washrooms to begin with Mm. and how in response, you know, people were sort of taking to businesses to go to the washroom. And I think that it was already sort of a an underexamined topic mm. and the pandemic sort of only worsened the situation so we wrote that article for the conversation really just to kind of bring it to light again so that people would start thinking about the kind of cities and the kind of public places that we want to have as we emerge from the pandemic because as we say in, as we said in the article you know it's not free and accessible public space if there aren't washrooms mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just impossible to conceive of a public space that's actually welcoming to people and makes it possible for all different kinds of people to be in it if there aren't public washrooms available. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I guess that what we're hoping is that as the pandemic has brought this issue to light, even more than it was before, that people will start to 
maybe consider how essential public washrooms are and mm. start to think about the fact that maybe that is something that we want more of in our public space as we move forward um, right. out of the pandemic, you know? Yeah, and I guess also this focuses not only on the side of the user uh, for for peeing with dignity, as you point out, but also um, for for the people. There's the other side of it. So there's uh, the people that one have to clean up uh, and 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 uh, take care of these facilities for for the public. Um, there's it, it really opens up a lot of conversation around a lot of things as you you point out in the articles that you know even if it's a fast food restaurant or something like that where these lo- where these bathrooms are located depending on what kinds of uh, visitors might come in to use because there is there is caution around the idea that well how are they being used how are these these uh, um, washrooms being used uh, sometimes they're used for uh, people that uh, are substance abusers for instance uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's a really difficult thing because if you don't have enough services like um, safer injection sites and, um, you know, housing first options or housing for people who are housing insecure, um, if you're if you don't have enough of those other services, then obviously people are going to find somewhere that is relatively safe um, to, to do those things. And, and public washrooms or washrooms and businesses are comparatively much safer. You know, if a person is living with addictions issues, you know, uh, Mm. and there aren't any safer injection sites around, then the the where to go question is also present there you know and that's something that people don't necessarily like to think about either but um the interviewees that i talked to when i did my thesis were addressing the fact that yes you know they found that their working conditions were sometimes you know dangerous because they had to Mm. deal with things like needles and you know messes of a kind that are a little bit more than what you would expect Mm. but that also they very much realized that that those services that people need aren't there. And that I even had a couple of interviewees say, well, if people are going to be in these difficult situations, I'd like, despite the cost to me and like how much it makes my workday harder, I would rather they be in this washroom than just like out on the street or something. So I think that as a society, that's also something that we need to think about, right? Like Mm -hmm. what kinds of services are we providing that are, that reduce harm for people and also um, make it so that low wage workers who are working in coffee shops and like small businesses aren't put in the position of having to deal with, you know, health crises. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that's a very real thing, but yeah, that's also a difficult conversation that sort of um, it's related to the public washrooms thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's one of the reasons why public washrooms have not, been built that much in Toronto. I mean, if you look at the city archives, there's quite a few documents indicating that, um, you know, leaders in the city and also the TTC have been resistant to installing washrooms because of the fact that um, people who have addictions issues or people who are LGBTQ will use the washroom and and, um, people don't think that that's um, 
a thing that they want, you know? And mm. so the city kind of doesn't build enough washrooms because they're like, oh, well, if we build washrooms, then this sort of person will use it, which is obviously completely ridiculous because if you just offered enough services and maybe didn't stigmatize people mm. so much, then you wouldn't have that problem, you know? Right. I thought also that uh, in another article you you were, you were writing uh, and you also co-authored with uh, with uh, a Mervin that uh, the washrooms for customers only and and what you found around uh, doing some and talking to some employees around around that uh, around that topic. Right. Yeah. That that was the the main part of of my thesis research that I guess I was also sort of talking about a little bit there. Um, yeah, I interviewed 15 people who work in either coffee shops or fast food restaurants in downtown Toronto about sort of what they thought about the washrooms for customers only rules. I had a list of questions that I asked them um, about whether they thought that those rules made their work environment safer. And I was trying to figure out whether the washrooms for customers only rules were always applied or whether they were discretionary. So basically I was trying to figure out like who was actually in charge of administering the rules. And it turns out that, that yeah, it's the employees that work in these businesses that have mm. to deal with negotiating that, you know, mm. who do mm. I let use the washroom? Who do I not yeah. let use the washroom? If it becomes necessary to, to ban someone from the premises because um, it's impossible for the employees to deal with what's going on with that person. Um, then that's them that has to deal with that too. So there's there's actually a lot of pressure. You know, people don't think of of um, working in a coffee shop or a fast food place as being a job that has a lot of <laughs> pressure and where you have to do a lot of sort of extra. I guess you could say like emotional labor. But there's a lot. It's a lot of pressure for for folks that do jobs. Yeah, I, I did think that was really interesting how you tied that in with we're sort of uh, paying extra attention to the frontline workers, to the people that are in the grocery stores during the pandemic and thanking them for the all the hard work they're doing and putting themselves out there. And yet these people that we're now talking about in, in restaurants and fast food places that are the frontline workers there that are seeing the people come in to want to use the washroom and they're making that judgment call on, on how should they deal with this. You know, they, as you pointed out, they have are also probably the people that have to clean up those washrooms. And so if there is messes that are going beyond, uh, you know, the usual uh, of, of, of people using the washroom, uh, you know, uh, then finding needles, for instance, or someone, as you point out in the article, sometimes they find people that have overdosed or uh, vomited, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's things, there's messes that go beyond the, the norm of cleaning up uh, and putting themselves out there. And, and why are we not recognizing that side of it as well? You notice, you know, from the article, you, you point out there's like for for every one person there's um like there's or or there's only a washroom for every like 9000 some odd person in Toronto um and and you know so that does speak to to that uh that that need for for uh, more uh, accessibility to these things as well um so i guess also you know when we when we think about about this it does bring a lot of attention, as you say, that that social that pressure that they put on there, and and they are the ones making that call, and and I thought it was interesting. They also said, you know, we don't necessarily want to phone the police. 
We don't because they don't have any more uh, experience in dealing with this kind of thing than than we do. Oh yeah, that was that was sort of a. I mean, I I guess it wasn't particularly surprising, and mm. obviously, like recent events have sort of yeah. to be sort of ever more topical. But yeah, there were a couple of interviewees who brought that up, who yeah. um, worked in communities like parts of the city where there was a bit um, more of problems with like you know bigger messes and like people not having anywhere to go or didn't mm. have access to services they needed um like safer injection sites and stuff and and yeah a couple of employees said no i i wouldn't i wouldn't call the police unless someone was like really really threatening me but a lot of baristas and, and people they're like no i i can handle it myself because i don't want to put somebody in that position mm -hmm. to have to have an interaction right. with law enforcement yeah. um which I thought was, it was really interesting and obviously it was, important. It was really interesting. Uh, Edith, just as we start to wrap up, what would you like people to take away from these articles and what you're writing? I want, I think that I want people to take away the fact that having access to public space is a right. Mm. Um, and public washrooms in public space is a right. And you can't have free and accessible public space without public washrooms. But as we sort of talked about, also you can't really have like a public space that's free and accessible and, and open and safe without some of these other services that, that we've mentioned as well. It's sort of all kind of tied together. Mm. Um, and I think that, that I want people to think about, you know, loved ones they might have or friends that they have who might not feel comfortable um, going on really long walks out in the city because there's no mm. public washrooms, mm. you know, and think about the kind of cities that, that we want to have and call your representatives and say, I want funding allocated to public washrooms, you know, because they right. won't do it unless we tell them that yeah. they should. That is Edith Wilson. She's a master's of sociology, a student at the University of Guelph and uh, uh, approaching her, uh, doing her PhD this fall. I'm David Moses, and that is the show for today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.